First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? I see dead people. Welcome back to Chronologically. This is the podcast where myself and Eric... Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm Superman. Oh, I'm Batman. In his, in, 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 yeah. Anyway, what we do here is we go through the full filmographies of some of cinema's greatest creators, and here we are at the end of season three, wrapping up our what eight to ten month look at all the films of M Night Shyamalan, and we're just going to kind of put a bow on it, close the book. And prepare for our next chapter. I I kind of can't believe it's over already. Like, I I feel like we were just doing Spielberg. Like, this feels yeah. so brief to me compared to, you know, it was over a year that we were on Spielberg, I think. And so, yeah, this, this really was just like, you know, I don't know, a brief summer shower, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It just did not it feel... Was- relatively painless i think um in my opinion i mean there were bumps in the road but largely uh i had a good time and uh i i went into it saying he was my favorite director and i'm leaving it saying he's my favorite director he's the guy whose movies i'm gonna watch pretty much no matter what see that's pretty good that's pretty good that watching every single one of these films hasn't like kind of toned it down for you you know like like, like hitchcock you can hitchcock i watch all Hitch's stuff i'm like maybe he wasn't that great you know like a lot of this stuff is poopy yeah yeah it, it's good to be able to come come out the other end and kind of maintain your uh your enthusiasm for the guy uh, would you say you, you you feel the same worse and different about uh I would Shyamalan? I would say better. You know, I I actually came into it pretty hot on on Shyamalan. Like despite uh, the Valley of Darkness, I I came into it like I, I've always had positive feelings towards him as a human being. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's something that's very humanistic but spiritual about his films. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and I feel like he is a man of deep thought. And even though not all of his films hit with the same power, you know, that some of them do, um, I, I feel like he always is putting his all into it. You know, like yeah. I, I'm never going to fault this guy for not going at it with both fists. You know, like he is really trying every time, you know, and, and, yeah. and if that doesn't necessarily connect with me every time, you know, that's. Not maybe not on him. Maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on the audience. You know, like like he's doing him, and then everybody can just get on board or not. You know, but he's always right. he's always trying, and uh, I think I think coming out the other end of watching all of his films, I feel like that even more. You know, like the Valley of Darkness. Uh, I I feel like a lot of that can be attributed at least at least those two big studio films a lot of that can be attributed to studio interference you know and the fact that he didn't have you know like the authorship over those films that he did and i think it speaks a lot to his credit that he recognized that and removed himself from that system like like essentially said boy they are really messing up my vibe I'm just going to pay for this myself. And he pulled himself back out of the studio system and started bankrolling his own movies and has had nothing but success after success after success, at least financially uh, since then. And, And I think for the most part, artistically since then too, you know, like get those studio hacks notes the hell out of there. You stop all that interference and, and just do it himself. And, uh, you know, I think we've, it, it's, it's an amazing arc, you know, you can look at it, <laughs> you know, it starts real high, it comes down and goes back up again, you know, and, 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 uh, it's a classic American redemption story and I'm always a sucker for that. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things we like to do at the end of our seasons is, is rank our films. And since he has such a small catalog, I think we can maybe 
take a little turns doing it and uh how do you feel about that did you have any plans around that uh no i i don't i have a couple other things that we can do but we can go ahead and get on to the rankings if you want um would you would you like to go worst to best i feel like that's kind of the more dramatic way to do it i think so um let me pull my list up here so i uh, so here at the bottom uh I had two that could really honestly be interchanged and I'm I'm not even sure that I like what I've done. Um but I'm going to stick with it. Uh so in last place I'm going to put praying with anger. Um just because it doesn't have a lot going for it. It isn't well filmed. It's kind of messy. And I have no reason to watch it again. And the only interest I have in it is that it was his first film and we had to dig in the garbage to go find it. So, yeah, you know. I also have praying with anger. Oh, no, I don't. Wait. No, you that's, don't. That's not correct. I know correct. what you have last. No, yeah, yeah that's not correct. <laughs> I have the last airbender in last place um, because praying with anger at least has a story and characters and it has shadow blowjobs, which we all all enjoyed oh we <laughs> can't deny the power of a shadow blowjob <laughs> go back and up, listen to that episode it bumps it up ever so slightly on the list over the just crazy unwatchable slop that was the last airbender um yeah so, I, so last airbender is 14th for me which is second to last and i honestly could swap them around because i think there's at least some charm with praying with anger being a an indie project that he's just making because he wants to be a filmmaker. So I could easily swap those and probably should, but I'm going to stick by what I've done. Yeah. So that, that was my reason. So my night, my next one is praying with anger. And, and again, like I think the charm of it and, and the fact that it was just like this go get them kind of project, uh, kind of pushed it over the top for me. And, and again, it is, uh, on some level coherent. You know, um, yeah. Whereas I found the last Airbender to be incoherent. So, all right. So, yeah, uh, just offering nothing to the viewer is what the last Airbender does. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. what do you got next? I bet 13th, you we probably both have the same thing next. Yeah, we both have Wide Awake. I'm guessing. Yes, Wide Awake is next. Yeah, it is the least offensive of these early films. I guess it's fine like i i had i saw this when i was younger i'd probably have forgotten all about it it's just whatever yeah th- yeah it is forgettable it's not without its charms it you know the the kid is uh charming um many of the adult actors who are recognizable are barely in the movie dennis leary mm-hmm. rosie o'donnell um it's so it, it's dad yeah from, granddad from big i don't know his name <laughs> And it does have those uh, those inexplicable weird moments, you know, like the the Lord of all weirdos and so on and so forth uh, that make it a little more memorable. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like you said, if I had seen it back then, I would have forgotten that it even existed, you know? Yeah, so. it just, it doesn't leave much of an impression other than it being the first twist in the M. Night Shyamalan catalog that this little boy in the movie is really God. And that was just weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it kind of opens the door on all the, the spirituality, I guess, of of the later films. You know, you can see early on, even Praying with Anger, really, you can see early on right. that he's interested in, in toying around with spirituality as a theme. Um, but yeah, not, not enough to really dig in his claws. And I'm sure, you know, you ask me two years from now to tell you about Wide Awake and I'm going to, you know, all I will remember is that little scene at the end with the little boy being like, "Hey, I don't know. It's yeah. it's fine." Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take a guess that we both also have the same in twelfth place here with Lady in the Water. No, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lady in the Water is just, I think for me, one of the toughest ones to stomach. It just, with the exception of like a handful of scenes, the characters are kind of interesting. But I just, I can't get behind the way the story is told and the constant um, exposition and it just not for me. Yeah, I, I in, in the next place I have uh, After Earth. Um, okay. And, and 
it, it's kind of like we said in, in Spielberg, there's like this level of things where things are unwatchable and then you kind of pass out of that. And I think this is the point where I pass out of the unwatchables, you know, like um, after earth I felt uh, is watchable. So those, those three below it are kind of like either unwatchable or forgettable, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and this one is, uh, you know, actually an okay film, nothing See, I to don't... write home about, but an okay film. Yeah, I don't want to watch Lady in the Water again. I do agree I could watch After Earth again, but I I just I don't want to watch Lady in the Water. Oh, don't don't get ever. me wrong. I I don't think I'll ever watch <laughs> After Earth again. Like I, yeah. I, it's not watch againable. It's just watchable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh number 11, one that you'll have higher is The Happening. I just think this is a movie that sucks. It's just butt through and through. There are the redeeming values are the old lady in the house, and that's about it. I mean, I, I know you found a so bad it's good element to it, but I just didn't see it. Yeah, it, it's funny because in in the real world we just released the happening episode, and I listened to it. You know, and it had been a while since we recorded it, and uh, and I once again was delighted by it. Like I almost considered sitting down and watching it. Again. So so okay. So yeah, let me not talk about the happening. So next for me is is Lady in the Water. Um, yeah, and and the reason that I did have it a little higher than After Earth is just that Paul Giamatti performance. Um, you know, I I do feel that. While on so many levels the movie doesn't work for me, that performance is solid yeah. enough to bump it up a little bit. And and some of the other acting work is is pretty good too. Um and the movie itself is kind of like beautiful to look at. So um so yeah, that's I that's could what. say this about it. It feels like a Shyamalan movie. It does. What it is. Like it, some of the like the happening to me just isn't a Shyamalan movie, but uh, for me, next at 10, I've got After Earth. I, I actually came off of my first viewing being like, hey, I actually like this. This is, I think this is good. And then my second viewing, I'm like, okay, it's fine, right? Um, it did tamper a little bit, but I think after, because of everything we went through getting to After Earth with Lady in the Water and The Happening and The Last Airbender, by the time we got to After Earth, I was just happy to have a coherent story with a beginning, a middle, and an end that I could follow. And and maybe that, you know, the films beforehand lowered my expectations and gave After Earth a better chance of succeeding in my mind. Uh, it did, and I didn't hate it. Yeah, that's fair. So at number 10, I have old. Um, and, uh, you know, I, like, I, I enjoyed old. And I've seen it twice now, and I'll probably eventually watch it again. It's it's not a terrible film. Um, the reason it's down at the number ten spot is just because it does have that weirdness about the dialogue. It's like kind of strangely stilted in parts, but I do think there are a lot of interesting ideas in the film and and stuff to wrestle with. And and like Lady in the Water, it's beautiful to look at. Like it's really nicely filmed. Um, the setting is cool. I don't hate the twist you know um so yeah it's, it's okay you know like we're, yeah. we're our, and yeah. that's my number nine so we can just kind of piggyback off of that or i can anyway and just be like yeah basically all the things you said there are some really awesome moments like the lady with the calcium problem in the cave uh some of the stuff at the end of the movie with the couple that's been fighting throughout the film but now they're old and about to die and all of that doesn't matter anymore. It's actually kind of got this beautiful tale of being okay with death, you know? And I I think I'm more positive than negative, but of the movies of his that I would call good, it's on the it's like in last place. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um so that was your number 9? That was 9. Okay, so my number 9 then is Glass. Um, and now, now we're solidly into movies that that I like, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this, this is a this is a good movie, and it's funny because as we expressed in that episode, uh, went into it really kind of dreading it, did not enjoy it the first time I saw it, um, but seeing it again in the context of having recently watched the other two films, it worked for me. It made more sense. I I felt uh, like I was picking up more of what he was putting down, you know, in this movie, and. Uh, so yeah, all around. I I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's the third film in the trilogy, 
that I wanted, but I'm okay with the fact that it's the third film that I got, you know? Yeah. I'll talk about that more when I get to it, because I, I have it a little higher than that. Number eight for me was The Village. Uh, and I think because... Uh, in a lot of ways, like Lady in the Water, to a lesser degree, at least the village is coherent. Uh, but the village is held up by incredible performances, like just incredible acting all the way down the line. Uh, the dialogue is a little stilted and weird, but um, the the twist sort of neuters things, like not the twist of them being in the real world. If that were the only twist, I'd have been fine with it. But the whole scary monsters in the woods about halfway through the film, that's not a problem anymore. You figure out, oh, that's not really a big deal. They're not that scary. And so I think that kind of what keeps me from having it higher on the list um, as compared to what's to come. But yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, so for this, this is the spot where I have the happening. Um, so, so yes, I have the happening above glass, above old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with it being no, I'm not. I'm not fine with it being above old, but above glass just seems it's like just, we you and I were very positive on glass. I know, I know, I know, but when it came down to it, you know, like the the way that I uh the way that I do it is I just add them onto the list as it happened and and at that point I was like, Did I did I like glass more than the happening? Like no, I really laughed a lot at the happening. Like it really, uh. it really made me laugh. So so yeah, that's that's where it is. I just feel like, uh, as I said in that episode, the marketing on it was wrong, and people came into it with the wrong expectations. And hell, maybe even he didn't know what he was making, you know. But I feel like I know what he was making, and, oh, yeah. and, and I'm into <laughs> it. So. Fair enough. I can't tell someone not to like something that they like. That's fine. Um, number seven for me is Knock at the Cabin. This one's a real mixed bag for me. Again, and it's like a lot of these here in this kind of middle ground. It's just held up by incredible acting. Like, I, I wasn't a big fan of the whole apocalypse thing. To me, it kind of felt weird. Like, and the God was in this world was so evil that I don't know I found a hard time getting behind it because nobody won you know everyone lost except for God for some reason he got his blood sacrifice that he had to have from this family that's the whole problem with it everything else is awesome it's thrilling it's I think the characters are great the acting up and down the board I can't fault any of it the dialogue largely is great there was one line I think I remember where he's like shut up you just vomit everything you think that felt a little weird but it wasn't that bad I just think the plot kind of didn't work for me well that's that's fair uh so this is the spot where I have the village um I think the village is is held up by a trio of fantastic performances, you know, like Bryce Dallas Howard, Adrian Brody, Joaquin Phoenix, like boy, just operating on all cylinders. Um and I I I don't know, like I still I still like it, you know, like I know this is a lot of the point where a lot of people are like, ah, M Night fell off, blah, blah, blah. Uh sitting down to watch it for the first time in six or seven years, um, I found myself just as enthralled with it as I always had been. Maybe even more. Maybe even as I got as, yeah. like as an older person, I find I find more to appreciate in it. Yes, the dialogue's real weird. My what is it? My precious one. My cherished one. You are my my cherished one. My cherished no one. one. Ever talked like that ever? <laughs> but I'm willing to go with it. And and uh, the neutering. I, I agree to a point with the the neutering of the the monsters in the woods but then it has that moment a little later on where one shows up and you're like oh shit like is oh this, yeah I, is this real the first viewing it got me on the second viewing i'm not scared anymore you know what i mean like i guess i should could still be because you know that one is dangerous but yeah so yeah i i uh i do like i do like the village still all right what do you got next what are we on here number number six number six this is where I got glass. Uh, I think for me, this is the big surprise of the season. Like the one that really, I was like, oh shit, this, this is, this is really good. And you had said something, it's not the sequel I wanted, but I'm glad I'm happy with this, the, the sequel we got. 
I kind of feel like maybe this is the sequel I didn't know I wanted. You know, like I, there are problems. I really wish David Dunn could have been treated a little better, but the other two characters are done so well. And I, I think it's a nice cap off to the trilogy. It's not as good as the other two in the films in the, in the sequence, but uh, I was surprised how much I enjoyed glass on this rewatch. I think everything you said is totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. So number six, six, the visit. This is where I have T diamond stylus and the gang (laughs) represent. (laughs) Um, talk about a fun return to form like I, w- I was looking through some internet stuff today and i caught a review for this and the first line was this is the one we've all been waiting for everybody <laughs> and, and and it absolutely is it, it's just it's just a fun ass movie it's entertaining from beginning to end it is so much funnier than i remember it being like it's just you know the kids are so lively and funny the performances are great the two uh the two older people are like just gonzo crazy good in it and you know it we always talk about how m night kind of succeeds at his best when he's in like a tight area you know like self-contained movies you know it's always a capsule of some sort and this is maybe the one of the best examples of that because these kids are isolated man like their only connection to the outside world is their internet and their camera on their computer is busted right so they are like really really isolated from everybody else trying to figure out what's going on and it just just keeps like just ratcheting the tension tighter as it goes until it hits that that banger ending while they're playing what yahtzee is it yeah (laughs) it's like the most intense game of yahtzee ever committed to film i don't know i really i really like it like that like now we're into the movies that like i kind of love these are good these are good yeah number five is the visit for me for all the reasons you said it is that return to form in a lot of ways i think that's why it's so special if this came out like if we remove all the crap in the middle and it just came out after the village i guess we'd be like yeah that that was good but i think the fact that it it is also this hey guys i'm still m night Shyamalan. don't worry it just makes it even more special to me because i was like thank you because i already loved the guy and when he made this i was like oh okay yeah he's back and uh t diamond stylus is a legend i can't wait for his album to drop everything you said great great movie excellent now uh, we get into the thick of it. This top four, we all we boy, have the same top four. I didn't do my number four. five yet. I didn't do my number oh, five. Oh, I apologize. Yet. Yes, Knock yeah, of the Cabin is my number five. Really hitting the top oh. five with a bullet. Yeah, like like I said on that episode. After watching it, I felt like I had gone through some stuff. Man, like it really filled me with the anxiety, like <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> and and I, I guess it's a combination of factors, like. The home invasion thing is very scary for me. I am always in the back of my mind waking up every day half expecting that it's going to be the day of the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> so, That's a rough way to live. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is not the best. But, you know, I can feel it coming. I'm like Phil Collins. I can feel it coming in the air. Uh, and so, yeah, so this movie like really worked for me. And, and then, you know, obviously the, the Batista performance is just I love Batista. next level. I was trying to describe it to my wife and, and I was just like, you know, this, this is where this guy really, really proves that he is not just an action hero. Like he's an excellent action hero and an excellent, like comic relief and, you know, that zombie movie he's in on Netflix is pretty good, you know, and he's good in it. But this is where he really has elevated himself to the point where he is an actor. Like, like he yeah. is acting. There is very little physicality to this role beyond the fact that he's just huge and imposing. And he's almost acting against that the entire time, like trying to convince everybody that he's not as imposing as he, you know. And uh, I don't know, just just that performance alone i think kind of 
is skyrockets it up this high. So, all right, now, yeah. now we can go and into what we got our these top four, top right? Four movies. Oh my gosh! Like this is where the fit hits the shan. Uh, for me, I put number four is Unbreakable. <sighs> um, I love. It tells you the 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 what's the the percentage the decimal points of difference of quality is just so minuscule in un, in the these top four like and any certain day maybe we can mix them up but Unbreakable is a masterpiece and it is the start of a trilogy but I don't know that it's the best one in the trilogy okay so at number four i also had unbreakable Uh, (laughs) for the same reasons like i i I think it is absolutely wonderful absolutely wonderful but you know like there might be some that are even incrementally more wonderful so uh so yeah which would be my number three is split uh I love it's James McAvoy. It's a 10 out of 10 performance. Basically flawless. It's thrilling. It's scary. It's M night Shyamalan finally at his full power again. Like we've gone through all of the crap and even the visit as wonderful as the visit is. This is M night Shyamalan back in those unbreakable days that first trilogy kind of quality you're used to here it is we found it we're back and i think that this is uh, a masterpiece so at number three i also have split um Uh, i think our top four might be exactly the same (laughs) very well might be everything you said about james mcavoy um really just wow man just wow watching this again it's kind of like damn how did i forget how amazing this is you know like just it's an all-timer like it is an i just think of the the paprika line to me i and i just like that's my favorite i had a little paprika and then that face that he does and it just i'm gonna watch like that was the one of all the movies i think we watched this season us talking about it made me want to go watch it again like it was just that good like the other ones even the the next two after talking i i didn't really feel the need to go back and watch it again and maybe it's because i've seen those so many more times than split but this time we talked about i was like damn i gotta watch that again like because there were things you brought up i missed i'm like oh, i didn't catch that and masterpiece masterpiece so number one, let's skip number two because when we say number one, I'm gonna uh, three, two, one, and then say your number one. Okay, three, two, one. Signs. signs. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Let's talk about the sixth sense real quick. It's also perfect, right? It is. It I is, mean, these top it, four movies are perfect. It is perfect, and the thing about the sixth sense is that it made it made its bones on the strength of the split, right? Like that, or not the split, the 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 twist, the twist, the twist. and that's what made everybody be like, "Oh, you got to go see that movie! Don't let anybody tell you the end. You got to go see it. You got to go see it." But I've known the twist now for like thirty years or twenty five years or whatever. The movie still knocks my socks off. It is still so freaking good. Like, it is no longer scary. It is no longer surprising. It is still an amazing movie. The performances are out of this world good. You know, young. Except for that one kid who sucked it big time. What was his name? What's that? Well, except for that one kid who sucked big time. What was that kid's name? Tommy (laughs) Tamanisco or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) sucks big time. Uh, You know, seeing Bruce Willis, you know, in, in a more restrained role, you know, after all of his uh, uh, diehardiness and uh, what's that one where he's fighting the the evil? There's the evil that's coming, and it's so stupid. What's a goddamn movie? Everybody loves it. He's Apocalypse? Like, uh, no, that's a video game he's in. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it. It'll pop into my head. People and I'll like it. it out. 
What's that? That he's fighting evil. Uh, I don't know what this is. It's okay. a sci-fi movie. Chris Tucker's in it and his hair is green. Oh, God. I hate that movie. Fifth Element. God, I fucking hate it. Okay. Anyhow. Yeah. It's <laughs> you and I are like, I know so many people who love that movie and I'm just, I don't understand. No, I don't either. I sat there. I sat there in the theater just staring at it like, what the fuck, you assholes? Like, anyway. <laughs> The Sixth Sense, on the other hand, <laughs> right. is the shit. It is the shit. It is amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, it totally holds up over time. Absolutely love it. Should have won all the awards the year it came out. And, you know, as as an announcement of a major filmmaker's talents, it's uh, almost peerless. You know, it's so good. So, Signs is one that does have a mixed reception. With that being said, and the sixth sense pretty much is unanimous, you know, everyone loves it. What makes it your number one movie? Uh, I mean, I can tell you what makes it mine out of out of all of these. One thing that it has that all of these f- failed to give me. Uh, it's the best movie M. Night has ever made. And I think a lot of that is. I relate so much to like the spiritual struggle that the main character is going through. And that Mel Gibson Mm -hmm. performance is so damn good. And the kids are so good. And, uh, for an alien invasion movie, you know what it is? You know, you know, the scene where he's talking to the kids as the aliens are busting into the house, like that's, that's what puts it over the top. Just, just the fact that this is the sort of movie where he's kneeling down in front of his children, telling them about what happened when they were born while aliens are breaking into the house and he's trying to keep them calm. Like it is so freaking good. Like, I don't know. I love all these other movies. Signs touches my soul, you know? And that's, that's what I love about it. I have several scenes, but, I, I I think that I can't I don't know if I can call it the best because I think uh, there are three scenes that just stand on top in that movie. One of them is when he's telling the kids about when they were born. I love it so much. And then the other scene that gets me is when he's that final flashback when that sheriff lady is talking to him about his wife being dead and the way she talks to him. And explains, hey, this is the last conversation you're going to have. And then the realization on Mel Gibson's face, no matter what he's done in his personal life, that performance in that moment is incredible. And then the third scene is the last one where he's one of the last ones where he's realized or he's claiming, you know, the gas didn't get in. The gas didn't get in. His lungs were closed. And the fact that on this most recent watching is when I realized he wasn't like before when I watched, I thought he was saying, yay, his, the gas didn't get in. He was just stating fact, but actually what he was doing was practicing faith because he didn't know the gas got in or not, but he said, no, it didn't get in. It didn't get in. His lungs were closed. And I cry when that happens. That's something none of these movies got me to do other than signs where I was just like, it, it gets me every time. And then, like, the scene around the table when they're... And, like, all of these scenes, there's no aliens, right? You know, they're not on screen. It's the family and the people. And, like, when they're at dinner and they've all made exactly what they want for their last supper, essentially. And then nobody eats anything because they have this breakdown of where he yells at his son. But his son is savvy and smart enough and mature enough to know that, hey he doesn't really mean that. And he sees the stress and he goes and hugs. And then I like, I just could go on and on. I I think it's a damn near perfect film. And I know I've said that about a lot of things. There's no such thing as a perfect movie. And sure. I can maybe point a flaw out about the CG or whatever, but it, it is a spiritual experience to watch the signs, to watch signs for me. I absolutely agree. And I, I had this thought this morning and I was very proud of it. So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Meryl, the character of Meryl, right. And 
how Merrill when Merrill goes to join the army and and the army guys like, oh, aren't you the guy that had the the home run record? You know, and, and he says, yeah. And then the other guys in the in the office there, and he says he also has the strikeout record. Like he just he can't he can't not swing. He's just yeah. And then Merrill says, you know, it just it never felt right to not swing. Like it like I always felt. And I thought, wow, what a perfect analogy for M Knight's career, right? Like, like oh yeah, very M. Knight, good. M Knight is Merrill. Like he is gonna swing at the fences every time, right? And some of them are going to be home runs, and some of them are just going to be pop flies, you know. <laughs> and the pitcher catches. You're a beautiful out. man, Eric. <laughs> You're a beautiful man for this analogy. Wonderful. He, he's never going to not swing, right? And and uh, that really it, it really resonated with me. I was just kind of sat it, there it, like, ha ha. It's like. hitting me. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's really good (laughs) that's really good like because we've talked about even at the beginning of the season i'm like the guy either hits home runs or he strikes out i don't know if we use that terminology but boy does it apply right you know it's either great or bad and uh i think uh he doesn't have a lot of singles he either has home runs or strikeouts yeah yeah he's he's merrill and thank goodness he's gonna keep swinging away because that means we're gonna get some more uh some more good movies out of him. So really I, good, Eric. Thank you. I found a weird <laughs> site called OTT Play. You ready? Take this quiz okay. if you are a fan of M Night Shyamalan. Oh hell yeah! Okay, I'm ready. I've not taken the quiz. I I don't even okay. know. I have no. These could be like really easy and stupid, you know. But we'll we'll take the quiz real quick. Yeah. Okay. The Saint Augustine Catholic Church in Philadelphia is famously featured in a 1999 film directed by M. Night. Name the film. Now you have three choices here. You've got The Sixth Sense, you've got Unbreakable, and you've got Wide Awake. Well, Sixth Sense was 98. and un- So it'd have to be Unbreakable. Now, this is a piece of shit website. Like... <laughs> So if they say it's six cents, they told me the wrong year. Well, yeah, I don't know. Okay, if you want to choose Unbreakable, because we'll go for cents? Unbreakable. It's not going to give us the answers to the end. So, okay, because Unbreakable may have had a church scene that I don't remember, but I mean, Six Cents has the famous church stuff, but that was '98. Right. There's a so lot going next on. Next one. The, okay. Okay. We're gonna go. Okay. So you're sticking with. Uh, we're, we're gonna. I'm gonna say Unbreakable because it didn't come out in '98 okay. or it came out in '99. Right. So. Okay, The Last Airbender, directed by M. Night, is based on the first season of the Nickelodeon animated television series Avatar The Last Airbender. Which actor appears as Prince Zuko in the film? Your choices are Cal Penn, Dev Patel, or Hamish Patel? It's not Cal Penn. Dev Patel? All right, going with Dev Patel. I, I, I agree with that. A film directed by M. Night Shyamalan was embroiled in a plagiarism allegation by the publishers of the 1990 Lady of the Water. (laughs) Running out of time. Lady of the Water. No, it's not Lady of the Water. No, I'm sorry. The the village. Oh, my God. My bad. I just spoke first. Yeah, the village. The village it is. Nobody plagiarized Lady in the Water. That's a fully original film. <laughs> yes. No, who would? Uh, yeah. Frederick Douglass was an American social reformer, abolitionist, orator, writer, and statesman. A famous M. Night Shyamalan character's wig was modeled after Frederick Douglass. Name the character. Mr. Glass, David Dunn, Cypher Rage. It'd have to be da- uh, not David Dunn, uh, Mr. Glass, right? I would think so. It'd have to be Mr. David Dunn's ball. Frederick Douglass? Yeah, it's Frederick Douglass, right? Oh, Is that who sure. you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah, then it's for the sure Mr. Glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, this one's a giveaway. It's Praying with Anger. M. Knight made his directorial debut in a 1992 film with the young Aaron Indian Americans returned to India, blah da 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 yeah. we, we know that one for Praying sure. Praying with Anger, so, we know. Yeah, yeah, okay. Quiz completed. Oh, come on, that was it. Yeah, yeah, we got 80%. It did ding us. It wanted the sixth sense for the... Uh... It's wrong! <laughs> What's funny about that, my my wife has uh, the Lord of the Rings trivia game, 
And we'll play it. There's one question. She goes, actually, the card has this wrong. This is the correct answer. But what the card wants is that that's what that website did to us. Yeah, for sure. It's 1998 is when the Sixth Sense came out. Yeah. All right. So now it's time. uh, You got your list of films there in front of you, right? I do. All right. Which ones are we burning? Off the cuff. (laughs) No, we're not doing that yet. Off the cuff. Okay. Top male performance. Oh, right. Um. Boy, uh, uh, so sh- short list would be Giamatti, Gibson. Uh, I, I'm, I think I have to go with um, McAvoy. McAvoy is the correct answer. Yes, I, I, I also went with But, McAvoy. I mean, the other two, like, are still really great. They're just, you know, McAvoy. McAvoy, for sure. And another would be uh, Haley Joe would be in there, too. Oh, you know? for sure. But, yeah, but McAvoy. Uh, McAvoy. All right, top female performance. I'm going to say Tony Collette. I also have Tony Collette. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just on the strength of that one scene alone where I she's talking think, to Cole in the car and he's telling her what's going on and she's reacting. Oh, it's yeah, so I good. think by a long made way too. I can't even think of like anyone who's even close. Well, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard in the village maybe. But it, it did like like looking at this it's did not make even me realize <laughs> like how how uh kind of male centric some of these films are like yeah. Like the fact that we're having a hard time even coming up with like other female performances that weren't just like kind of supporting, you know, um, it, it's a very, yeah, it's a very, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell, right. Anna Taylor joy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but again, there's miles away, Tony Collette. And of course, Tony Collette's a, basically a legend, probably one of the greatest living actors in the world today. So, yeah. yeah. All right. I added a new one. Top soundtrack. Top soundtrack. I'm going to go with Unbreakable because the the moment that where the music hit me the most, I think, was when he comes out of the pool and that swell of sound and he's wearing that his, his poncho and he stands up in that heroic swell. I think I'm going to go with Unbreakable. That's you might excellent. come up with something that I'm not remembering, but I think that's what I'm going to go with. I am going to go with the village, um, just because it has that that cello going through the whole thing. And it, if I had to, if if I were going to like sit down and do some work, and I had to pick one of these to listen to while I was working, I think I'd, I'd put yeah. on the village. Like, I, I think it's a really really solid soundtrack. And, and going through this made me realize like how little modern pop music is used in his films right like boogie shoes is kind of like the standout that's it right yeah yeah like, and then like t diamond stylist songs uh which doesn't count <laughs> oh then- i forgot i changed my i changed my vote <laughs> it's t diamond stylist bitch <laughs> but yeah like no other like pop music in any of these right like it's yeah. all orchestral you know he's not paying for those rights god damn it like <laughs> And he doesn't need to. I think him on that small budget, just the silence does so much for so many scenes that, you know, I think it benefits his films. Yeah. All right. Now we're burning. Now we're burning. The house is on fire. It's got the last copies of every M. Night film in it. You can only save one. Now it's. Signs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sorry. Like not just selfishly, but also for posterity, for human, for yeah. humanity. Which one are you saving? Signs, based on my review of it, saying it, it hits me on a spiritual level. It means more to me than an evening of entertainment. I think it has to be signs. Yeah, me too. I'm totally selfish about this one. I don't give a fuck about humanity. Like, <laughs> but what am I saving? <laughs> hey, you want to see the greatest <laughs> twist in cinema history? Sure, here it is. But signs will could change your life <laughs> i don't know like it it could change the way you think about things yeah yeah i i i, I totally agree it's it, now if you could save three right then i would probably add 
Unbreakable and Sixth Sense, right? Even even though I think that Split is probably better yeah. than Unbreakable, I feel like I would probably save Unbreakable. I, I think you would save Unbreakable as well, and the main reason is is because there's the the twist at the end of Split that's like, wait a minute, there's a movie before and a movie after, and you can't watch either of them, but Unbreakable is contained, yes. and you can watch it as is. And it's a masterpiece as well. So, yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, you know what I'm not saving? Lady in the goddamn water. That's what I'm not no. saving. No. no. I th- think he's crazy with that answer. Love you. Crazy. Like, <laughs> What movie do you think had the most potential that let us down? Oh, that is a good question, man. Had the most potential that let us down. My answer is kind of surprising. I think it's class. Like, even though we're more positive on it now, I think the potential was a lot higher, you know, for something really, really special. And and even if I'm more positive on it, it's still a far cry from the other two movies. I think think my answer would probably be, and strangely enough, After Earth. Like, I, I feel like there's the ingredients there for just a, banger of a sci-fi movie you know like and with that will smith situation like you know i think of like i robot and uh what's the one where he's the last man on earth that's such a good goddamn movie i am legend yeah i am legend and uh just kind of even even hancock you know like some of those like will smith uh, the first half of hancock (laughs) what's that i said the first half of hancock right 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 Uh, um yeah I, i i feel like the, the pieces were there that they could have made like a classic, you know, like it could have been really, really, really good. And it's yeah. just not that, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel like that that's probably my answer. Okay. All right. Well, that is everything I had. I, I will say again, like this was very enjoyable uh, as far as a quick, really fun. A, like, it's good, good season. I, I think so too, and I had just as much fun doing this episode as I did watching any of the movies because it's just fun to look back on such a good catalog, uh, a filmmaker I still love. And, and while I think, um, you know, Hitchcock lowered my opinion of Hitch and Spielberg raised my opinion of him, I'm like, damn, this guy really is probably the greatest. Uh, M. Night, I think I just fell more in love with his work as well. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so so uh, we, we've already announced what we're doing next, but do we want to talk about it a little bit and like some of our reasons for how we're doing it and so on? Yeah. So, um, I will say we are going to take the month of March off. So there'll be no episodes released in March unless we do like some bonuses to fill in some Spielberg gaps or something like that. Um, which could totally happen. Like if we get to the point where like, you know what? I really want to hang out and record. Well, whip probably make that happen but the fourth season proper is going to start on the first wednesday in april which is april the third uh where we're going to do um stephen king the 70s and 80s or through the 80s as we you know probably 70s and 80s now um but uh there were things you wanted to address about that well yeah i mean like obviously you know stephen king is a sprawling topic right like there is so much stephen king to contend with and the actually the 70s and the 80s are probably the easiest and most straightforward of yes of these subsections because at that point it's pretty much just uh theatrical films and we're throwing a couple miniseries in there like for example salem's lot was released both as a miniseries and then they like edited it down and released it into theaters. So in that situation, I think we're going to go with the miniseries, right? We're going to watch the fuller, yeah. the fuller yeah. version. Um, and then the other, the other miniseries uh, in the eighties was it the first it with Tim Curry. Obviously we're going to watch that, right? Like we're not going to skip it. It's a seminal thing. Everybody knows it. Um, so yeah, so that that's what where we're going with that. And then after after 1989, which is when it hits, then we're going to take a break from King. We're going to move on. We're going to do somebody else. So like we're going to pick another short one like M Night, kind of break King up a little bit and then come back and do the 90s. And that's where things get more complicated, right? Because then 
we got kind of like a 50-50 theatrical release miniseries thing going on. And in the 90s is when, like, oh, let's make 15 Children of the Corn movies. And, <laughs> you know, like, you got the Stand miniseries, which is, like, really, really worth watching. It's fantastic. But then you got the Golden Years. Is that really worth watching? Are we really going to watch that? So we have And to is make- Estelle Getty in it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> have to make some of those decisions and then when we get into the 2000s you know that is really out of whack like then we've got entire tv series that happened you know like not just mini series but under the dome you know it's like a two season TV we're not series. watching under the dome we're not watching under yeah, the no, dome. We're not watching under the dome. <laughs> but, you know, like there are some direct adaptations of books that are stretched into these huge things, you know? Like I feel like the the James Franco uh, 11-22-63, absolutely worth watching. Like that is a great, yeah. great piece of work. Um, but some of the other things, eh, maybe not. Yeah, so, I don't know, but then we get to do the, the new It movies. Right? Oh, baby. The new It movies, the new version of The Stand, you know, like it goes on and on. And there's so much. So we determined that if we went straight through, it was what, four years? It would take us four years? It would take us the September 20, uh, of 2027. And I'm looking at that last season. I'm thinking maybe we even hold off on that one. Of course, by the time we get there, there might be some more stuff to do. But that's like almost all miniseries. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So, so anyhow... We're going to start with and, the 70s and 80s where it's relatively straightforward and then to kind of make those decisions as we go and keep everybody informed as to as to the like why. And the other thing is that's, things. that's different is what we've done before is we've seen the arc of a one person's cinema. And this is really just not that now, you know, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that changes things. Yeah. Different filmmakers, different directors, different producers, different studios just flying in for, you know, every which way adapting this one guy's work and, and sometimes deeply poorly, like <laughs> sometimes to great. I'm really looking like I'm really looking forward to this 80s season because I think the only thing on the list I'm not looking forward to is the it. Uh, the original It yeah, TV series. I, I don't really like it or enjoy it as much as I love Tim Curry, but maybe, hey, maybe that'll change. But, maybe, maybe it'll turn you uh, around. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to because 70s or 80s, though, like specifically 80s, are like my favorite era of movies to watch. Just by simply having that 80s grain on the movie just kind of makes me feel at home. Oh, yeah, and like, I'm looking at this list. I'm sitting here looking at it right now, and I'm just thinking of like when I was like, between 10 and 15 years old, crashing at friends' houses, watching HBO in the middle of the night, right? I'm, I'm seeing Dead yeah. Zone. I'm seeing Christine, Children of the Corn, Firestarter. Man, I you love know, Christine. These are these are some like HBO middle of the night little kid classics for me. So I'm really, yeah, I'm really psyched about this one. Me too. Well, I, I think that's going to do it. We'll put a bow on Shyamalan until he drops another dime on us. Uh, which probably will be in 2024, I'm guessing, knowing him. Uh, yeah, I so, think so. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so. You can go to Twitter, and you can find Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. You can find me on Twitter at Podcast by Jeff. You can also check out GamingNexus.com for all your gaming review needs from Eric and others, as well as my other podcast, The Movie Draft House. Don't forget to check out Facebook.com slash ChronologicallyPod and chronologically.net. I think you got it. I think you nailed it. We love you, M. Knight, and we'll see you next season. Thanks, y'all. Bye.